Hi, this is Marnie Schwartz, a winner from the 2018 Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. You're listening to WCGO Radio, 1590 and 95.9. Chicago's Smart Talk, the Mike Novak Show, starts in 3, 2, 1. This guy is a real jerk. He thinks the rules don't apply to him and treats all of the preserves and trails like his personal off-leash playground for his dog. How many ways can one dog owner be a jerk? This is not the way to let your dog out of the car, jerk. A leash dog only counts as a leash dog if the owner is holding the leash at all times and not just when others are watching. What a jerk. These are picnic tables, not grooming platforms, you jerk. Hey jerk, pick up after your dog. Letting your dog wander far ahead sets up potential collisions with other trail users, jerk. Pay attention to your dog, you jerk, and use that leash in your hand. That's not what we meant. Put the leash on the dog, jerk. Hey, jerk, nice job finally using a leash, but it's way too long and a disaster waiting to happen. Leashes need to be no more than 10 feet long. We love seeing dogs in the preserves, but please follow the rules to avoid being a jerk. Jerks can easily ruin the experience for everyone else, so don't be a jerk. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are in the main. Right. 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 Now, what I say, okay, oh, there goes that weird thing. He warned us. He warned us that there would be uh, maybe a mic issue, you know. A mic issue on Mike's mic? Uh, Mike. All I, all I, all I gotta say to you, Andrew. Don't be a jerk. Okay, I'm, I'm telling you, <laughs> this is my new, my new toy. My new favorite <laughs> drop-in is based on that thing you heard at the top of the show, uh, which uh, I want to give a ding to the Forest Preserve District of Will County, just outside of, uh, well, Collar County to mm-hmm. Chicago. Uh, for putting himself. for putting that video together, and you've got to you got to see the video. You know, um, I tell you, Ellie. Maybe uh, I I posted it earlier this week, 
at uh, the Mike Novak Show on Facebook, and it's about, the, and apparently they're going to do different ways not to be a jerk in the forest preserve system. Jerk. Um, <laughs> I just love play. What a jerk. Uh, <laughs> I get to drop those in all oh, over the place dear. now. That uh, and shut up, Wesley, and we'll be just fine. Oh, I, w- I wouldn't do that. Shut up, Wesley. Okay. <laughs> Ellen, Ellen, <laughs> jerk. We might as well get them all in. Uh, well, no. The what was the other one? I had one more here. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I suppose if if you're mad about dogs in the forest preserves, you could also play this. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. All right, so uh, ah. I, I got them, but but it's a lot easier to just say, "Don't be a jerk." Okay, so. <laughs> Sorry, I'm entertaining myself today. I'm just, I need to have some fun. You know, I suppose I could just put in, uh, uh, you know, I know, I know the one that uh, if our buddy is uh, listening. Yeah. All right. Let's try this one. I could also play. Thanks, Mike Novak. All right. There you go. All right. That's, that's from Mighty House. I want to thank uh, the folks at Mighty House Home Improvement Radio. Uh, for having Peggy and me on yesterday, because mm-hmm. we were talking about Chicago Excellence and Gardening Awards, which uh, are in their final week for applications. We're going to talk about that in the second hour of the show today, but we wanted to to let you know about that. Uh, and again, um, if you want to see that really funny video, I, 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 I always sidetrack myself. And, and uh, the funny video is from uh, the Forest Preserve District of Will County in Illinois, and you can go to the Mike Novak Show on Facebook and see it. Just scroll down a little it's, bit. It's funny, but it's also very um, appropriate. Yeah. Well, it's appropriate for our show today mm-hmm. uh, because we have Paul Fehrenbacher uh, in the studio along with Dr. Doug Stotts, uh, Ph.D. So I, that's rep- that's 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 uh, not re- what's what's the word for repetitious? Um, repetitive. Repetitive. <laughs> No, redundant. Redundant. The, yes. the the Department of Redundancy Department. Um, and uh, Dr. Stotts is a senior conservation ecologist uh, at the Field Museum, and uh, Paul Fehrenbacher is the owner of Mutt Jackson, who has a show right on this very radio sh- station right before us. Right? Uh, no. no, different. Okay, uh, we're talking about the lakefront that we started conversation that we've we've had on the show before i think you're going to find this really interesting we talk about conservation on lake michigan how people can live in harmony with their dogs in the hike hikers and runners and nature and endangered species you bet we'll have that next the mike novak show with peggy Millette. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. Do you know that Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? This is Peggy, and I know this is true because for eight years I've been publishing Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and they're ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicago who will respond to your message. 
They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, doctors, dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good, live simply, laugh more. It's not easy being green. No way. Having to spend its day in the color of the leaves. Jerk. Welcome back to the Mike Nolak Show with Peggy Malecki. <laughs> that new toy of yours. That new toy is just going to be, I'm just going to be, you know, and all I got to say about myself is. What a jerk. All right, what a jerk. Uh, welcome back to the show, and uh, as I promised uh Earlier, uh, we are going to resume a conversation we started actually last week. Uh, not everybody uh, across the country got to hear it because it was in the second hour of our show here in Chicago. But we're bringing it to the forefront today because it's a very interesting question that I think applies to a lot of different places in the country. Uh, place and and it's it's a matter of how you share resources and um, make room for nature <laughs> uh, with the population going up and with, I don't know, just uh, the expan you know, the loss of habitat in the country is a, is a severe issue when we talk about decline of monarchs and when we, when we talk about decline of other species. Mm -hmm. A lot of it just has to do with we have so much habitat that's being gobbled up, um, you know. And uh, often without planning and thought. Uh, Usually without planning and thought. Okay, that's the only place I've ever heard of did it that did it even remotely with planning and thought. I think is the state of Oregon had some laws about this, and I think some of those got repealed anyway. So people don't want planning and thought when it comes to nat natural areas. It seems, and and then when we do declare natural areas, and 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 a president. Uh, we'll say, okay, we're going to put this off limits. Then we get another president comes in and said, no, not so much. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to drill there. So, um, I think it's important for us to figure out what we have and how not to lose it. So with that in mind, we have, uh, Dr. Doug Stotts. Uh, he's the senior conservation ecologist in the Keller Science Action Center at the Field Museum in Chicago, uh, in Chicago. Yes. And he's part of the Urban Monarch team, speaking of. Monarchs, uh, so that's good. Maybe we can even get a, a quick monarch update today from you. I can tell you what I know. I I'm not really a monarch person, although I'm part of that team. Oh, okay. I'm really a bird person. Oh, so. <laughs> all right. Well, then we won't ask you about. You can monarch. ask me about monarchs. Well, I can talk about what. It, but... I'll tell you what. Very quickly, what are you hearing about uh, 2019 and as we head into the summer? Um. What I'd say is it's not as good as last summer was, which was Interesting. the best really? in a long time, but it seems to be pretty good. It's still early to to really see how it plays out, but last year it was amazing how early they came back yeah. in such yeah. numbers. This year they haven't come back so early in the numbers, but they're starting to build. Would you say that the weather has had something to do with that? It's been very rainy, very cold. Does that put a... The weather yeah, always has something yes, to do with that. Yes, of course, and, yes. And, yeah, I think the the cool, wet spring has definitely been a 
piece of that. Okay, but we that's that's all we'll probably talk about in terms of monarchs. <laughs> the rest of it's going to be birds because uh, you've written books about birds. You you stu- tell me about the work you do at the Field Museum concerning birds. So I'm part of the Keller Action Center, and we're focused on conservation. And I am, uh, you know, a PhD in evolutionary biology and when i i describe myself as a bird watcher with delusions of grandeur <laughs> um, and it really for me is all about birds and mm-hmm. you know i would be happy to do all our conservation activity of, based on the birds but i recognize that other people have different priorities and so in the keller action center we work on a variety of things and besides working on birds and part of the monarch team I work on climate change, um, and we have a part of our program that works with communities because, you know, conservation won't work unless the communities that use the space buy into it. So, mm-hmm. And that's partly why I, I, we have almost the perfect combination of guests here because across the studio from you is Paul, and is it Fehrenbacher? Is that how you pronounce it? Perfect. Okay. Uh, he's the owner of Mutt Jackson. It's a Chicago business which has state-of-the-art self-service dog washes and a retail space at uh, the Montrose Beach dog-friendly area. Um, and you're also part of something called the Montrose Lakefront Coalition. That's correct. And uh, this is where we get the folks who, the, the dog-friendly people and the people who want to engage in activities, and we bring in the science people here, and we, we get them in the room and say, how do we make this area work for everybody? And and the reason we're talking about this, for those of you across the country who might not be familiar with this, um, the Montrose Beach area is prob- is the most used beach area in the city of Chicago on Lake Michigan. Um, and so it's used for soccer. It's used for picnics. It's used for, as I mentioned, dogs and birding. There's a natural area that has been built. Uh, you know, I want to say built. It's taken several decades for people to turn what was naturally um, a great habitat for migrating birds, bring it back restore it to to some of its former glory uh and they don't want to lose that now even though this is the most popular beach area in the city of chicago and what brought this to a head was a notice uh earlier this year that uh a concert called mamby m-a-m-b-y and i was thinking oh mamby (laughs) oh dear Uh, Why? But I'm not going to sing that. I actually have words to it. I was <laughs> I was walking around the house yesterday as I'm putting my now blog. Now it's going to be stuck in your head. Oh, it's already ready stuck in my head. There's nothing I can do about it. Mamby okay. um, is supposed to bring a concert to Montrose Beach. They they did it on the south side. Uh, they've done it on the south side in the past, and now they said, okay, we're going to go to Montrose Beach because it's a great big area, and gosh, it can handle 50,000 people. The question is, can nature handle 50,000 people? Can the residents handle 50,000 people? Because in the past, this is an area, Montrose Beach, where people in that neighborhood have risen up and said, nope, we don't want that concert here. They've all, this, it, there's already a history of concerts getting squashed in Montrose Beach. So you're nodding, Paul. Uh, so tell me from your point of view, uh, what are your concerns about having this concert there? 
Sure. So I wear a few hats. I'm on the Montrose Dog Beach board, um, have the business Mutt Jackson, which you mentioned that it's at Montrose mm-hmm. Dog Beach, and I'm on the Montrose Lakefront Coalition. So um, as far as Mondog, the Montrose Dog Beach area is concerned, uh, access is going to be a big issue when you have 25,000 people per day, so 50,000 total over the course of two days in a park that already routinely gets shut down on an average Saturday or Sunday. For what, do you, what do you mean? It's so for shut. crowd control, the, okay. poli- the police actually limit access to Montrose um, routinely on Saturdays and Sundays, just on an average Saturday or Sunday. Why? Why is this part of Lake Michigan so popular? I mean, I, I'm, I was thinking about that yesterday. You can go anywhere along Lake Michigan uh, and have a beautiful view and have wonderful access uh, to the lake. Why is this particular area so popular? I think you touch upon it. It has so many different um, appeals. So um, birders, natural areas, boaters, runners. There's a football field. The dog beach was named the best dog beach in America by USA Today a few days ago. It's probably the busiest dog beach in the United States. Yikes. Okay. Um, so everything you can think of that you'd want to do outside, Montrose probably has. All right. Uh, did you hear the uh, the intro at the beginning of the show? I, I did. did. I got a kick out of that. <laughs> so, but but I assume you agree with the sentiment of the Forest Preserve District of Will County, which is if you got to bring a dog to an area like this, you got to be a responsible owner, right? A- absolutely. One of the joys for me on being on the Montrose Lakefront Coalition was interacting with Doug's colleagues down in the bird sanctuary and natural areas to. Let dog owners know, come to the best dog beach in mm-hmm. the United States at Montrose Dog Beach. Stay out of the natural areas and bird sanctuaries and elsewhere. Keep your dog on leash. So one of the things that we really try to be active on with the Montrose Dog Beach Board is educating dog owners to be thoughtful and mindful. Okay. How, how far away is the dog beach from the natural area? Um, walking distance, it's probably about a 15-minute walk, 10, 15-minute walk. All right. So that takes us back to Doug Stotts. What I would like you to put in perspective here is how important is this area as habitat for for birds and and other critters? So Montrose is mostly a place where bird migration is important. It's not really a place for breeding birds, the piping plovers to the contary. Um, okay. And, and we didn't even we haven't mentioned the piping plover. Okay, and, and uh, let me we so alluded let, to it. We <laughs> let, let me throw that in real quick. The other thing that's happened this year is a, is a pair of piping plovers, which is an endangered bird in the Great Lakes region, uh, came in and they started nesting and they've laid eggs and then the waters came up high. And we'll talk about that in a second. And so they moved up inland more and and apparently laid more eggs. Right. So they they har- they harvested the first <laughs> set of eggs which are being raised in an incubator, and they'll release them. This same pair nested up at Waukegan mm-hmm. last year, and they chose a parking lot. And so the eggs were harvested there, and then uh, young from that nest were released and have actually returned this spring. So piping plovers are an endangered species, um, federally endangered, and there are they're basically a beachfront species and the issue for them is almost entirely um, beach disturbance you know the montrose is bad that way but it's <laughs> because not, everybody wants to be there it's not unusual yeah. basically all throughout its range on these beaches there is pressure and so there are a handful of places where they can survive um they used to nest more widely in Illinois, then they disappeared in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. 
And then this pair that nested up at Montro at uh, Waukegan was the first nesting in Illinois since the 70s. This is the first nesting in the city of Chicago since 1955. Wow. Yeah. So it's a, it's a species that really is very rare. They're unbelievably cute, um, <laughs> which helps. Um, and they've chosen Montrose, which on the face of it, you think, why in the world would you go to Montrose if you're a bird that doesn't like disturbance? And it's because Montrose has become a really spectacular place for nature. All the work that the people have done there um, and the park district has done has really made a really special mm-hmm. place that's not like any place else. Yeah, in the area. Well, tell me. Well, I'm just kind of wondering if you can go into a little bit of detail about that. Uh, From what I understand, and Leslie Bourne talked uh, on our show last week. She's a a volunteer who's been there for decades. Uh, She said part of that started when the lake levels were very, very low, and some of the native plant species began popping up again. That you know have disappeared. Uh, and nature has a way of saying, no, we're still here. And uh, and and then folks kind of got interested in preserving those. And when you do, when you bring back one native species, other native species get uh, uh, interested in the area as well, don't they? Right. And that's, so one of the interesting things about Montrose is the fact that it basically did it, the, the dunes area did it on its own. They, you know, these were species that found their way on their own. It wasn't you know, me going out there and saying, oh, let's plant milkweed here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The milkweed got there on its own and all these other things. There are, I think it's 26 state threatened or endangered species of plants in that area, which is is a really extraordinary number. And part of that is that those beachfront habitats are under huge pressures. Well, and as I pointed out, and Peggy, you can make your comment in a second. As I pointed out last week, freshwater beach areas are some of the rarest ecosystems on the planet Absolutely. because everybody wants to be they want to build their home on the lake and you know they, whatever they they suck up all of the lake area so the idea that you might preserve some of it is is a wonderful thought but it's really hard to do as you say there's a lot of pressure yeah there is a lot of pressure and i one of the things so when I first got to Chicago, which was in the early 80s, basically Montrose was a famous place for birds. And it was this thing called the Magic Hedge, mm-hmm. which was this old dying row of invasive plants. But it was a piece <laughs> of habitat that the migrating birds picked on. And since then, it's just incredible how much work's been done to make that place special. And nature has been a big part of it. To be honest, part of what makes the beach part of Montrose really interesting is the breakwater there, which is something right. we we in general don't like to see because it stops the sand flow you would ordinarily get. Yeah. What it does in Montrose is it collects that sand right there at the south end and creates the conditions that have created the dunes habitat that's so special. So every, every once in a while... We've lost a microphone. Yeah. That that Mike's uh, now it's oh, there we go. <laughs> yikes! Okay, I think we're going to have to, you know, let's clean that board when we're uh, done with the show today. Uh, you, Andrew, just take it apart and put it back together for us, okay? Uh, Re- rewrap the wires in the microphone while you're at it. All right, uh, we're gonna we're gonna be breaking here in a second. Let me uh, reintroduce people. The guy you just heard speaking is uh, Doug Stotts, PhD. 
uh, senior conservation colleges in the Keller Science. Act- I like the Action Center. Um, it sounds like Action News. Uh, <laughs> let's get out and do stuff. Uh, at the uh, Field Museum, and Paul Fehrenbacher uh, is in the studio uh, as well. He's with the Montrose Lakefront Coalition. That's a, a nonprofit group that includes all of the major stakeholders at the Montrose Recreation Area, and it includes birders, natural area advocates, boaters, fishermen, vendors, runners, volleyball players. That's a lot of folks to, to corral, but you guys are all of one voice right now about this concert, aren't you? We are, yeah. And it and what does that uh, voice say? It, at the very least, we don't want it on the beach. Um, the piping plovers have really kind of driven home the point that this concert shouldn't be on the beach. It sounds like there's a good chance it won't be on the beach, not because of piping plovers, but because of the high lake levels. Water. Yeah. Yep. Um, Yay. But it, good Good for you, nature. Let's, <laughs> go lake. Yeah, really. Keep raining. Uh, let's, let's ask our meteorologist, Rick DeMaio, if we can get some more rain just to keep the, the water level going up. All right. You hear that music? It means we're going to take a break. We're going to continue with this conversation. Hey, if you're a, uh, an advocate or a concerned citizen, 877-711-5611, you can give us a call about this. It's... Again, this is something happening all over the country. We'll be right back. Smart farmers know that good growing starts with good soil biology, and you can't do better than with products from Tinyo Biologicals, the industry leader for 30 years, now available through Blazing Star. You'll find soil and seed inoculants, growth-promoting enzymes, foliar fertilizers, and biostimulants. Whether you're conventional, organic, or in transition, learn about Tinyo's biological farm management system. Go to blazing-star.com, and while you're there, check out their pollinator packets. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. It's jungle out there. Disorder and confusion everywhere. No one seems to care. Well, I do. Hey, hey, who's in charge? Hey, who's in charge? Who is in charge? Uh, and that's uh, one of the questions we're asking today as we talk about the piping plovers at Montrose Beach. Uh, not just them. And, and, and again, uh, I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again today. It's not just about the piping plovers. They happen to be the face of this right now, but it's a much larger issue. And we'll get back to that. However, got a minute for your trees? Bartlett Tree Experts has advice about tree damage that is 100% preventable. Okay, keep that in mind. Write that down. This is 100% preventable. In the industry, it's sometimes called lawnmower blight. 
And it's what happens when you bump your mower into a tree because you don't bother to create a mulch ring. It can also be caused by a string trimmer. Now, the bark of the tree protects the systems in the tree that transport water and nutrients. When you bump into it with a lawnmower or whack it with a string trimmer, the tree might have difficulty moving water. So nutrients, foliage, twigs, and branches will begin to die. Young and newly planted trees are particularly vulnerable. Please remove turf and prevent grass and weeds from growing at and around the base of the tree and add a layer of mulch beneath the entire canopy but don't create volcano mulch if you have questions talk to the bartlett tree experts because every tree needs a champion go to bartlett.com it's the mike novak show with peggy malecki we're talking about montrose beach and getting along there and you wanted to put the piping plovers into context yeah um as to Yes, they're cute birds, and, and they're nesting here. But as you pointed out, this is the first nesting pair since 1955 in Chicago. And the numbers back in the 80s were, were far lower than they are now. But even now, there's fewer than 70 nesting pairs, I think. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be 71 nesting pairs in the Great Lakes population. Which is <clears throat> not a lot of birds. No, it is not. Where, where else do they nest along in the Great Lakes? Um most of the nesting is at the north end, um, so um, the north end of Lake Michigan, along the edge of Lake Huron. Um, Probably on Superior. On Superior, although Superior is uh, pretty rocky, so it has less of that habitat. But right at the north end of, of the lower peninsula, mm -hmm. there's a state park called uh, Wilderness State Park, which is a good place with multiple pairs of Piping plovers. One of our listeners sent a photo um, on Facebook of plovers up in Manistee. Yeah. Yeah, that's another another area. So you would think with all these different areas, you'd have more than 70 nesting pairs. Yeah, but they're, they require a certain sort of habitat. They are susceptible to lake level fluctuations. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and right now the lakes are high, which means that there's less beach area in general available. Um, and there are people all over these beaches. And I understand yeah. there are plovers, there are plovers on the Atlantic. Right. And also, um, in uh, the Great Plains. Also in the Great Plains too. And that's, that population is not associated with sort of recreational beaches the way the Great Lakes and the East Coast population are. They're on smaller areas of water and, um, you know, I've seen them out in Colorado and, but they're also at risk basically because of the loss of those small wetlands, um, which is going on. So their well. their habitat is slightly different. They still want water, right. but not the wide expanses of sand that the Great Lakes plovers. Yeah, they need some sand, but they tend to be smaller areas that they're, that they're in. Okay, so let's bring us to uh, Paul Fehrenbach, Fehrenbacher and um, how these different groups get together and and talk i mean how how is it that the, the dog owners can coexist with the bikers can coexist with the volleyball players all together it's got to be a high wire act every single day you know well we've been meeting now for three years so i actually consider them to that's not be, even a very long time not, okay. in the grand scheme of things it's not a long time but um they become dear friends uh through that process and Traditionally, when you take 50,000 people concerts out of the equation, Montrose Park can accommodate all the different stakeholders that you mentioned. 
um, by virtue of the fact that the dog beach is far enough away from the bird sanctuary and natural areas, we can happily coexist. Um, Although we have had, because I've, I've heard the birders complain about dogs getting there, into the natural area. This is a serious problem, isn't it? It is. There are some rogue dog owners, unfortunately. We're trying to get the park district to, to issue tickets to dog owners that aren't in the proper areas or don't have their dogs leashed. Uh, we're making some headway on that. Um, but uh, I think Leslie and others would say that we've come a long way in the last five years as we've started to to spread the word that dog owners need to go to Montrose Dog Beach and keep their dog leashed and out of the natural areas. Yeah, I mean, the dog beach really sort of changed the dynamic of Montrose. Before the dog beach was set up, essentially, it was pretty much a free for every, yeah. everybody went everywhere. Ah, and, well, that makes a lot of sense. And, the, and so, obviously, a very smart idea. Okay, dogs are going to be here anyway. People are going to bring their dogs here. There's nothing we can do about it. Okay, here's the area <laughs> where, <laughs> where you need to have your dogs and on a leash and, and paying attention to the dog. That's right. And on a given Saturday or Sunday, literally thousands of dogs and their owners go to Montrose Dog Beach. Does does that create dog problems? I mean, dogs sometimes uh, don't like each other very much. I say that if you put a thousand people in that size of a space, there'd be, there'd be more issues than we have with dogs. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So we're, we're talking about the p- potential then of this concert. And, and okay, here's, here's another thing we need to uh, bring into the equation, which is the Chicago Park District, which has been a good steward from everybody I talk to says, Chicago Park District has been a great steward of this area. Good. They have the ultimate responsibility for whether this concert goes forward. Is, am I correct in that? Um, we're getting nods in here in the room. Okay. Why haven't they made a decision yet? It seems to me the concert's supposed to happen in August, in uh, 23rd and 4th, I think, somewhere yeah. along that time. Why hasn't the Park District made a determination? I found out, uh, I, I got an email from Leslie on Friday. She said, as of Friday, we have not heard anything about this. Um, aren't we Aren't we cutting it a little close here? No, I would think so, yeah. I yeah. mean, because we, uh, the the promoter, and it's Jam Productions, uh, Mickelson is the guy's, what's his first name? I forget. Jerry. Jerry. Jerry Mickelson. Uh, you know, he's been, he's, he's, I, I actually put something on my, uh, uh, on my blog about, uh, the, uh, what the Mamby folks, they, they uh, posted on their Facebook page, community is a very important element on, of Mamby on the beach. And we are working diligently with the Chicago park district to properly accommodate Montrose beaches, newest community members, the piping plovers, Mamby welcomes the birds return to the beach. And if their chicks are raised in their current location, we are planning to move the event to the mandated 1000 meters away. I read that. And I think, wow, that's very little uh, distance. Uh, mm-hmm. and Dr. Stotts, I would ask you, is it enough distance to not disturb the birds? I would say that it's less distance than I would like to see. Um, okay. It, that's a good one. It's, <laughs> to be honest, we don't have a lot of research on that kind of question. We know that birds are susceptible to disturbance. Um, and, you know, that sounds like a big distance, but... It doesn't to me. I'm sorry. I, you know, <laughs> uh, not at all. Uh, that, and that's the point I was making. I yeah. look at that and I think, okay, Mamby has the opportunity to be a really good citizen here. They have the, they, This is an opportunity because uh, 
You know, I know a little bit about, about marketing, and so does Peggy. And if Mamby says, you know what, we've listened to this debate and we're moving the concert. Mm-hmm. We're taking it back to the South Side or someplace else. Chicago Park District, District, help us figure out where we can do this. We don't think it's a good idea mm-hmm. at Montrose. Where everyone's going to be happy. Um, uh, and then they become heroes at that point. If they stick to their guns and saying, hey, this is, they, they, they say the mandated 1,000 meters. So we're going to stick to the letter of the law. Not at this 1,001, point. 1,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 1,000. And then that's where the uh, the root beer stand will be. Uh, a, a thousand meters, though. I'm not. The piping plovers now are further south than the original nesting locations, yeah. right? So a thousand meters from where they're at currently. I'd like to see a site plan where they could still pull that off. That's one. Really, of the, that's one of the challenges is we haven't seen a site plan on if they did do the thousand. Okay, meters so that's exactly part of what's be. going on here too. Is that if if would you say that the negotiations have been transparent? Uh, it's getting there. It didn't start off. It, <laughs> okay. it, it didn't, didn't, didn't start off there, but, um, the current request by the Montrose Lakefront coalition is to meet with the park district and express our concerns and have them share those with Jerry and see what we can come up with. But time is of the essence. I mean, we're talking. Just that's over, that's yeah. part of the point so here. It's a, go ahead. Peg. Is there any ideal place at Montrose if it had to be held there? Yeah. It's it's hard to picture what that would look like, and we haven't seen a proposal yeah. a proposal on what a site plan would be a thousand meters from where the plovers are currently. Because that's yeah. you know even if there was something there, you still have the noise, the vibration, a- ac- the disturbance. Access is huge. As a bus- right. as a business owner for Mutt Jackson, our revenue will be um, decreased significantly by by an event like. Well, that. that's part of the other thing. It's it uh, given there's so many stakeholders in this area, everybody's affected. It's not just the birds, which and you know, and if you scare them off, there's no guarantee they'll ever come back. Right. Right. I mean, that I mean, that I would assume that's your kind of your worst nightmare. Well, your worst nightmare is that they get trampled or something like that. Or they, you know, and as or they, I, the adults leave, the adults leave and they say, this is not a good place. We're not coming back. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that if if they are successful at nesting here and bringing off young, there's a good chance they will be back. Hmm. Mm-hmm. next year so we'll we'll be sort so, of setting so, this up as a permanent issue to deal with so the timing on this in terms of the concert is exquisitely bad right now because they're nesting they they're they're figuring out if this is a place they want to raise their young and maybe return are there other birds uh i mean the piping plover is is we were talking about uh, the kind of animal the charismatic megafauna this is what the piping plover is we've talked about that on the show many times charismatic megafauna are there other charismatic megafauna that we need to be concerned with well the thing about the end of august is fall migration is underway and so this is actually that's the height of when migrant shorebirds are are using that area and so having something that's doing that much disturbance at the place along the lakefront that is the best place for migrant shorebirds at the height of migrant shorebird migration seems like a less than ideal situation. An- another reason <laughs> why the timing is exquisitely bad. It's, it's just, it's, you know, if you were doing a chart, pros and cons, right now, the cons are winning. Okay, I don't see a whole lot of pros for this except for the promoter. So, uh, all right, we'll finish this conversation. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Peggy. McHenry County's largest annual green living event is also one of our area's best green events. The 2019 Green Living Expo, November 2nd at McHenry County College in Crystal Lake, attracts hundreds of attendees. We know, we've been there, and it's impressed us for years. So get your business in front of this crowd as a vendor or a sponsor. And yes, green holiday gift ideas are welcome too. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policies. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Welcome to Songs to Nest By on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy. Songs to Skate By. Uh, and uh, Walk Your Dog By, I suppose, <laughs> as well. Um, we will get back to our conversation about uh, the beach and everybody living in harmony along the beach in Chicago mm-hmm. this August. But first... But first, you need to get to City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center today. It's the last day of the making room for summer sale. Today? Today, today. Hanging baskets, weird herbs. Weird herbs? Weird herbs. Weird herbs. Berries. I don't don't even know what the weird herbs are. (laughs) Weird herbs. You got to go there to find out. Berries and figs, orphaned annuals and perennials, last chance for veggies, and other cool stuff. City Grange will be closed tomorrow through July 4th to transform the shop into the Summer Garden. Mm. So get there today. There's complimentary valet parking, too. 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa. City Grange. Learn. Shop. Blossom. And we're talking to Dr. Doug Stotts from the Field Museum, Paul Fehrenbacher, owner of Mutt Jackson, and he's part of a coalition at the uh, the lakefront uh, and uh, it is called the Montrose Lakefront Coalition, uh, ironically enough. Uh, and uh, you were we had a couple of things that came up during uh, the break. Where 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 do we want to begin with that? Well, one was just a quick question on the plovers and um, how do they nest? Is it is it a, a nest? Somebody wanted to know: Do they are they on the sand? Are they in bushes or trees next to the lake? They're on the sand, out in away from any vegetation. And they build a little depression they, mm-hmm. and lay f- up to four eggs. They have four eggs in this little nothing. And they, they might move a couple of rocks there to make it a little less obvious. But it's a pretty unimpressive nest, except that it's got a piping plover sitting on it. <laughs> and then to protect it, they've put like fences and an and, uh, enclosure over it? Yeah, or? so the, the area is fenced. Actually, the area they moved to was already fenced mm-hmm. because there's a 
colony of bank swallows nesting in a sand bank there. And so they went into that area and then they put a small enclosure that's probably a meter on the side made out of wire that the um, plovers can get through easily, but predators can't get okay. to. And this is done with plover nests uh, all over. Everywhere, yeah. Because they're they're under a lot of pressure. There, there's a species farther west called the snowy plover. Same issue on the west coast, and all of their nests are are enclosed too. So, and this and this. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, there's someone in volunteers that monitor the nesting site too, almost around the clock. Right. So there are volunteers monitoring the nesting site, and where they're currently nesting, one of the issues is it's near the volleyball. Mm-hmm. And so somebody has to be there to uh, keep yeah. the volleyballs from. I, I was reading, going that the, seems reading a some of the bird too. conversations talking about the volleyball camp and the volleyballs. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. But that gets us back to what you were talking about, Paul, which is there's a lot of stakeholders here. There's a lot of activity. Uh, and everybody has to figure out how, how to live together uh, in this area. Um, unfortunately, it seems sometimes the last consideration is nature itself, which was there first. Because we don't, we're very, we're, we get those questions all the time when talking about gardening. Hey, how do I get rid of this, this, and this? And I, you know, voles and moles and chipmunks and squirrels. And I say, well, they were there first. Okay. It's, it's, we think we can control nature. We think we can put nature in a box. All right. And sometimes nature doesn't want to be put in a box. Uh, but as you say, you're talking about all kinds of constituents here and all kinds of populations that want to, uh, be part of this lakefront. Yeah, and, and this is a case where those the stakeholders have come together regarding the volleyball courts. Um, there were leagues that were shut down so that they could put up the fencing to pr- protect the plovers. Um, I'm on a text exchange that's talking about maybe reorienting the volleyball courts. So the, uh, right now? Yeah. Is, are you, are you, <laughs> so you're texting during class, yeah, are you? I'm texting during class, yes. <laughs> Hand so, over so, that some phone, Some things please. never change, yeah. Well, Hand that's okay. That. I'm, I'm texting Ellie to turn the air conditioning on oh, in here, okay. too, so... Uh, but, uh, and and as you mentioned earlier, people like you are going to lose money, uh, during this. Some people will make money. Yeah. There's some restaurants out there too, right? The dock, the restaurant, uh, is there. The bait shop is another one. Um, we only have about 15 nice weekends of the season. So Uh, that that was the point you you mentioned before is that this is going to take up another weekend. We've had a terrible spring. It's been wet. It's been cold. People have not been able to get out and picnic. They want all the weekends they can get their hands on, and here's another one that's yeah, being this is, yanked out. This is them. Chicago's backyard for a lot of people, so to, to take one of those weekends away from them. And it, it, despite Jerry's best efforts, um, access will be so uh, limited that it will be next to impossible to get into the, the park as well. Oh, you what know, what a lot of those people will just say, forget it. I'm going someplace else this weekend. I'm not going to go there. That's, um, that's right. Word, word spreads quickly with social media now, so. But the same thing is true with the concert. If you moved it to another area, I'm, it's not as if 25,000 people won't be able to figure What's, out where the concert is. What, what is the weekend? It's the 23rd and 24th, I believe, but don't yeah. quote me on that. Yeah. Ah, yes. So there's also a major offshore regatta there's with the, lots of boats coming out of Montrose Harbor that day. I'm pretty sure there's a triathlon yes. in Montrose Park in the morning. When's well? the uh, air and water show? Uh, I right. think it's that weekend, too, or it's no, close to that weekend. Yeah, they might have moved that, that. It used to be on the same weekend as the Verve, yeah. Yeah. So here we are. We've got all this, all this convergence, uh, and it can't be good for nature. So before we go, um, let's talk about nature and its ability to adapt and survive. I mean, this is this because of the efforts of a lot of people who've worked very hard. Now we're talking 
20, 30 years on this, aren't we? Yeah. Um, um, it's, uh, what, I don't even know what the question is <laughs> at this point. It's, it's just, how do we, how do we continue to protect this area when we, we have this kind of pressure? And I don't fully know the answer. I mean, a big part of it is groups like the Lakefront Coalition, because it, it the thing that is, that makes a place like Montrose work is everybody working together. If, if the birders decide our, our response is, the hell with them. We're going to put up, you know, picket fences and arm them and so on. That's not going to work. The only way is for everybody to work together. Mm-hmm. And we see this happening all over the city. I mean, I, the thing I would say is the park district has come a long way in the time I've been in Chicago and created a lot of great habitats that are are well managed. There are constant pushbacks part of it is the park district has a lot of people who have a lot of things they want out of it and you know i look out my window at the museum and i see northerly island in the south part is this new great restoration and the north part is now covered with buildings you know the hamilton exhibit the there, hamilton the... is 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 yeah i i, I peggy and i that's talked a different about show that yeah that's that's a whole, but it's the same it's thing. the same yeah. basic yeah. issue it's the same yeah. basic issue we we create this wonderful area and then we slam this box on it this big old box and how long is it going to be there well you know tickets are going very well uh, but we'll give it a couple of years and then suddenly it's you know what we're going to make that permanent and then that's how you slide into those things right like so the the concert facility there which was temporary and smaller mm-hmm. was i think actually in the early going was an important thing because it meant the airport wouldn't come back <laughs> but it's now it just keeps getting bigger and taking up a bigger footprint and having more things mm-hmm. going on there and you know the the original plan was the south end would be for nature and the north end would be for um uh active recreation well there's no space for active recreation now it's all covered with buildings yeah yikes okay see this is what we do we we just sort of move in and and do what we want to do and sometimes then the birds move out i hope they don't in this case i want to thank you guys for being here uh doug stotts uh from the field museum paul Ferenbacher uh of mutt jackson if people want to find out about mutt jackson muttjackson.com or just come over to Montrose Dog Beach and hang with us. <laughs> <laughs> with your dog on a leash, yeah. preferably. M-U-T-T Jackson, right? You got it. Muttjackson.com. Uh, thank you guys for coming down the studio and we're going to continue to follow this story and uh, it, it ain't over, folks. It's There's a lot more that's going to happen. All right, in the second hour, it's the Recall Desk. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, be more specific. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Of course. Attack of the Killer Asparagus is required reading at Starfleet Academy. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, 
Dave Barry, and Gwynok of Ninglador. Captain, shields are failing. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. Captain, it seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm, it appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener, taking all our self-delusions, mishaps, and confusions, and playing them for big laughs. That's not very helpful, Mr. Data. No, it is, however, highly accurate. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? What a jerk. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And, uh, yeah, I know. I get to, I get to go back to <laughs> his new toy. My, playing my my new sound. Uh, come on, you got to get Alan in. We haven't heard Don't Alan in a, a while. Jerk. Do you want, you want Alan? We need Alan. We can, uh, well, I have to find Alan here. Find Alan. Then you, t- you talk amongst yourselves. Talking amongst ourselves, well... Just the song coming back in, lettuce, tomatoes, rutabagas, what about them sweet potatoes? I think lettuce is about it right now, the way this spring's been going. Uh, well, except that, you know, when we were on Mighty House yesterday, they were asking us, what can we plant? It's, it's too late for everything. And no, nope, no, nope. no, no, no. Alan! 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 Ah, that's Alan! better. Al! Yeah. Alan! <laughs> uh, Just he, hadn't heard that little guy in a while, uh, so... Okay. Anyway, uh, no, you, you can plant stuff. Come on, folks. Don't give up yet. It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's just the beginning of July. It's not even July. Uh, and um, We've got this, this heat wave, but uh, we'll get your tomato. We'll... If you've got tomatoes, get them in the ground. If you have, you know, and if they're really slow, and they probably have been, uh, we're getting the warmth now, and yeah. they will catch up. Make sure that here's one of the things I will say about that. We've had a lot of rain. Uh, you probably need to give them some nourishment, some nutrition. Uh, so get the the fertilizer and uh, give them a little uh, dose uh, of that and follow label directions. So what type of fertilizer? What would be good about now? Well, tomato plant fertilizer, don't you think? Uh, you know, it was uh, Casey Tomato who said that when he gets starts to get, he, he fertilizes uh, when he puts them in the ground. And then when he sees the first golf ball sized tomatoes and he mm-hmm. adds a little dressing of that around there. So. Um, you know, and I like the organic tomato fertilizers and there's various kinds out there. I'm not going to tell you a brand, uh, because you can go to any good independent garden center, your IGC folks, not the box store. Although you can buy, um, Espoma products now. Mm -hmm. And I think Dr. Earth at box stores. So they, the the box stores are starting to have organics now too, which is good for them. I'm glad, I'm glad that's happening. Uh, I just favor uh, the IGCs because we got to keep them in business. You know, and they're they're much better at selling plants and giving you information. So uh, you can plant beans now, uh, and you can plant. You know, I'm I'm going to put my I've got a my uh, cantaloupe. Uh, one of them's in the mm-hmm. ground, and one one of them's sitting yeah. in a pot. That's going in right now. And uh, yeah, I just planted the cantaloupes um, this past week. Oh, and by the way. I had an asparagus sighting. Ooh. Ooh. Three, and one? 
three little stalks came wow. out. Three that, tiny little stalks. I put, put a, that on Facebook. Asparagus. No, it's too pathetic. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put that on Facebook. Three little stalks came up. I thought they had all rotted. Mm -hmm. So apparently something survived. And um, I'm not sure. I, I, may, I need to get more asparagus roots yeah. and get well, those for in next the, year. Yeah. Well, at least I got something started. Something's yeah. going there. But that's just sad. Yeah, and and you were saying cantaloupe. I don't know if you would do that from seed right now, but certainly no, 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 seedlings. no, 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 no. But beans, you could certainly beans. do from seed. You can get those in. You know, yeah, the the warm season stuff, the cucumbers mm -hmm. and the squash. Uh, I, you know, and this is a this is a, a tip that I got from our friend uh, uh, Dan Costa uh, years and years ago. His advice on squash to avoid the the squash beetles. The squash borers, mm -hmm. rather, um, is uh, planted at the 4th of July. So we're right on schedule. Perfect. For, for there you go. So, um, no, it's not too late. No, come on, folks. Don't give up on your, your gardens. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. Crazy talk. And a lot of the garden centers still have plants. Do they? Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't been to one in a, several weeks. So that's good to know. And I assume they do. And if any garden centers... Some do, some don't. If, but... if you're a garden center and you want to write to us on Facebook or call in and tell us what you got, we'll... Uh, and, well... And... and uh, City Grange has last chance for veggies. Yeah. They, they've got all the... I wouldn't call it last chance, but anyway. Well, you know, we had a bunch of articles that... You got to go to the Facebook page because uh, this was a really interesting week. We, we talked about grass carp. In Lake Michigan, we talked about monarchs raised in captivity. Where I I got <laughs> I got hammered by uh, one of the wow uh, that caused a firestorm. Oh my goodness! I all I didn't even say anything. I just said, "Here's an article that talks about monarchs raised in captivity," and then I got accused of being anti-science or something. And uh, however, Doug Terran from the Field Museum, uh, or rather from the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum, had my back. On that, so thank you, Doug. I gotta appreciate that. Uh, and the idea was that uh, some of the monarchs, you know, you can raise monarchs at home. It's okay, folks. Go ahead. Don't do it by the hundreds. Okay, you could do a few. It's good science. It teaches kids to appreciate nature. That's a great thing. But don't go raising them by the hundreds. That's that's sort of the lesson. The Xerxes Society says it. Uh, 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 Monarch Watch and, and mm -hmm. Monarch Joint Venture tell you the same thing. They're all kind of on the same page. This is no, nothing new now. Uh, so, and, and I got hammered for saying that, hey, maybe you want to be careful about how many monarchs you raise. So, oh, well. Um, and uh, what was the other thing? Talked about washing your car. Washing my car. Yeah, washing your car. Don't do it on the street uh, because you're probably using a lot more water than you need to. So you're wasting that resource. You're washing chemicals into the sewers and then we mm -hmm. have to clean that up uh that You're washing the, oil all that stuff uh and uh, pesticides so, go into the so sewer take it to a car wash take and, it to a car wash research your car wash well and a lot of them recycle mm -hmm. there are we had somebody write and say hey you got to go to this car wash because it's the best all right when we come back we're talking chicago excellence in gardening awards and the recall desk with kathleen thompson When you want the best science for your trees, go to Bartlett Tree Experts. They pioneered integrated pest management, or IPM, in the 1970s, introduced the first organic fertilizer, and now Bartlett is the first and only tree care company to research the benefits of biochar on urban soils and tree health. Put science to work for your trees. Get a free estimate today. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com.
Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. Smart farmers know that good growing starts with good soil biology, and you can't do better than with products from Tinyo Biologicals, the industry leader for 30 years, now available through Blazing Star. You'll find soil and seed inoculants, growth-promoting enzymes, foliar fertilizers, and biostimulants. Whether you're conventional, organic, or in transition, learn about Tinyo's biological farm management system. Go to blazing-star.com, and while you're there, check out their pollinator packets. From Wisconsin to Indiana, from Lake Michigan to St. Charles, see some of the best gardens, ponds, and koi in the area on the Midwest Pond and Koi Society Annual Garden and Pond Tour, July 21st and 22nd and 28th and 29th. Get your maps for the self-guided tour at mpks.org and at local businesses throughout Chicagoland. It's only $15, and tour hours are 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on each day. Get inspiration for your own garden and pond. Go to mpks.org. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. For folks of a certain age, <laughs> this theme resonates, although it's just... I'm waiting the- for the giant foot to come down. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's um, it's a, it's basically a march by mm-hmm. J- uh, Philip, John, John Philip. John Philip Sousa. Right, John Philip Sousa. I c- couldn't remember her first name. Uh, John Philip Sousa, but it is also known as the theme from... Monty Python's Flying Circus. And uh, let's bring into the conversation <laughs> Kathleen Thompson. Kathleen, good morning. Are we sure she wants to come into Hi. this conversation? Well, I want to bring her in because oh, yeah. we were at I'm a, of a certain age, too. That's right. And uh, and I think that, that, that's the best use of, uh, of John Philip Sousa March ever uh, from Monty Python's. Well, I don't know. There's some cartoons that are pretty good. I guess so. Uh, but you and I were at a restaurant the other week, Kathleen, and we heard some <laughs> millennials in the next booth talking about Monty Python. And uh, I, I don't remember exactly how that conversation went, but I had to tell them the name of the show was Monty Python's Flying Circus, just so you know, just for the record. Uh, do you remember mm-hmm. that at all, Kathleen? Oh yeah, they were. I was with you know I eavesdrops more than you do. So <laughs> yes, um, she does. <laughs> I was. The conversation was uh, basically trying to explain to other people at the table who didn't know what Monty Python was, or one of them just didn't get the humor. <laughs> so that's what the conversation. It, was it is an acquired taste. I don't know. It's a stitch. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like the funniest show ever on TV. You Someday know. they will bring it back in reruns. I haven't seen it yeah, it's on about, TV it, it's in about time. so many years. It's about time. I mean, you can watch it online, it. but it's not the same. Yeah. Yep. 
So uh, Kathleen Thompson is here with us this morning, and we're going to discuss several things. Uh, a little background here. Uh, Kathleen, of course, is my sweetie pie. And uh, back in the day when I was at Gargantua Radio down the dial, and, and by the way, I want to thank John Williams at Gargantua Radio because we were on his show yesterday talking about Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. We will get to that later because I know Kathleen has a few things to say about that. Um, but um, back in the day when I was working at Gargantual Radio, they would often put me on the overnights because nobody wants to do six hours of programming. Uh, any sane person would not do six hours of overnight programming unless you're talking about UFOs. And then it's really yeah. cool, you know. All right. Uh, but so I... I grabbed Kathleen and said, I'm not doing this by myself. You're coming with me. All right. We're both going to be sleep deprived for a while. And she created something that was actually very cool called the recall desk. And how would you explain the recall desk, Kathleen? Well, it's oddly enough, it's just a matter of going to the uh, federal government recall site and looking at what they've recalled lately. And um, you don't have to do much of anything more than that because it's um, it's kind of odd. And we did, so at that time, what we did was we just read lots of, there were lots of explosion hazards. So they yeah, things, say, things that would blow up. Yeah. Things that shouldn't blow up that were blowing that up. That were blowing up all over the place. Right, yes. Yeah. Children's uh, children's jack in the boxes and uh, you know whatever. <laughs> yeah, exploding um, jack in the boxes. Oh, that's always a good thing. <laughs> uh, and then it would just say, you know, may explode, um, which was always fun. There were a <laughs> that's a warning. That, uh, just, want, if, if you hear this noise in the middle of the evening, yeah, your jack in the box exploded. Yep. Yes. So, um, so we just you know had a lot of fun with that. Well, this time we're being a little more serious because we we're talking about what you need to be aware of over the 4th of July holiday. And and, and that's uh, that's why I played the Monty Python theme, because it's a John Philip Sousa march, and that's as close yes. as I want to get to a John Philip Sousa march on the show. Um, but right. Kathleen said, okay, let me, let me do some searching. And you came across some uh, really interesting stuff, didn't you? Well, yes. The first one... Um, BRP, that's the name of the company, presumably, CDU, uh, recalling a cooler because it is large enough for a small child to get into and it automatically locks. Nice. So uh, it locks when the lid is closed, allowing the person to become locked inside the airtight container. Holy smokes. That's not a good thing. What a jerk. Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> so that was recalled uh, July, June 27th, um, about 2,500 units. So and, if you've got a C-Do... Um, and how do you spell C-Do? that automatically... S-E-A-D-O-O. Okay. Well, I see. I thought it might they be make, C hyphen They, they make um, personal watercraft as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's, they, there are about 2,500 of the units that were sold that are being recalled. So I wonder, I wonder. the next one. Yeah, well, wait a second. Before we move away from the sea, do you got to be in the room when they're putting this together and nobody, 
I mean, how did they first find out? You know, that's big enough for a child to climb in and get locked in. The auto lock is the thing that is uh, uh, yeah. the feature. It automatically that... locks when you close it. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Move on. All right. The next one, you know what a beach cover-up is, Michael? A beach cover-up? Um, yes. I'm Peggy will know. Peggy will know. But no, I have, I have no clue. It's something women wear over their bathing suits when they're walking around on the beach. Ah, and you found so one? A little, uh, looks a little, it can be a look a little like a jacket or it could look a little bit like a, a short dress, you know. Mm-hmm. It's called a beach cover-up. And you found one that explodes? Well, no, burst into flames. Oh, burst into flames. Spontaneously? Right. Yeah. A spontaneous combustion of well, a beach not, cover-up. Not spontaneously. It does, you need to get, you know, a little too close to the the late night campfire or smoke a cigarette or something. Um, but it does not meet federal flammability yeah. standards. It can now, burst into flame. All right. Now here's, that's a that's, really interesting question because that takes us to the, the chemicals we use and Peggy, you know, all the chemicals about, that are on our skin for right to make them so flame proof. In, in some ways, I think you want to wear stuff that's going to burst into flames. <laughs> Or you choose a fabric, you choose a different fabric. You don't choose some synthetic fabric that has a a flashpoint where standing too close to the campfire or getting hit by an ember is going to burst it to flames. Yes. So right. do you know what this, you did you say what this was made of? It, no, it, the, that is not in the recall thing. It just says that it's violation of federal flammability standard. It's from Ronnie, R-A-N-E-E. Looks like it's a kind of a white gauzy material with um, gold uh, trim. And honestly, I think that the, the best part about this product is that very few people would have bought it because of the tackiness factor. <laughs> Probably it's, none it's a Florida of our style. Listeners. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, re- recall June 21st, yeah. <laughs> only 55 of them were um, were sold, apparently. So not very many have to be recalled. Uh, well, that's from, from the next. Yeah, it's it's probably was. And I'm thinking, just looking at it. Yeah, it's the trim or something is highly flammable on I, it. I'm thinking that was made of mm. cellulose, right? <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, for those of you who aren't familiar okay, with that. Okay, the next one. Cellulose. Maris, M-A-R-E-S. She's not going to let me continue at all here. Peggy, M-A-R-E-S. I'm sorry, what? No. Do you know the company M-A-R-E-S, Maris? Off the top, no, but if I saw it, maybe. They're recalling a buoyancy compensation vest. Um, And this is, you know, something you use like a life vest kind of thing. Okay. They are, they are calling it recalling it due to drowning hazard um wait 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 it's supposed to keep it's supposed to keep you from drowning right right. and it does the opposite exactly (laughs) well that's because oh okay the the deflation button can Mm -hmm. come unscrewed and then it deflates posing a drowning hazard you are no longer you are no longer buoyant yeah there, that was uh, recalled on June 12th, and about 600 of those were sold. Yeah, no injuries have been reported, but return it for repair. 
Well, thank you for going to the desk and yeah. commenting. Uh, she, she goes. <laughs> no, I was just curious to see what it was, what was being changed on it. So. Yeah, she's looking all of these up as you're bringing them up, I Kathleen. I know she is. I can tell. Yeah, uh, me, me. I just, um, I'm just rolling with the flow here. I, I don't. That was not something I had to worry about when we were on the overnight. There was nobody there looking them up. No, no, I have stepped away from the keyboard. Not even the listeners were were looking them up. So there we go. No, they weren't. But it does fill. It does okay. fill uh, the the time between three a.m. and four a.m. Really. Now I was well. just curious to see what on that vest was the problem because sometimes it's the inflator won't work. It was made of cellulose. There you okay? go. And it, burst, and it had gold trim. Burst into flame, and, and then and then you and drowned. It melted when you went into the water, right. and then it exploded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next thing I got here is climbing sticks. Now I'm not a climber. Um. And I could not figure out exactly from this what a, it's not just a walking stick that you use when you're climbing a mountain. It is some a utensil that you use in the actual ascent. Like a piton? Um, it's in that same, I believe mm-hmm. it's in that same group of things. Yeah. And it has a bolt failure on the center <laughs> step. So if you... The bolt fails, you step on it, and then it what, doesn't. Watch that oh, first okay. step. Here we go, and I'd... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oops. Got, that's a bad failing in a mountain climbing tool. Yeah, that's not good. So that was rec- that was recalled on June 6th, uh, about 1,165 of them. I want, um, yeah, okay. But I'm, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm coming I'm, to my favorite. I'm, I'm not. I'm just going to say mm-hmm. I'm. I'm not in danger of actually purchasing one of those things, so I don't <laughs> have to worry about that. No, neither am I. Okay, but you might be in danger of purchasing the next thing. Uh oh. Far East Brokers is recalling a pineapple corer and slicer. <laughs> oh no! Oh, because dear. the metal blade of the slicer can detach, posing a laceration hazard to the consumer. In other words, the the blade comes off and slices your hand instead of the pineapple. Yikes. And given how tough pineapples are and what Mm -hmm. you have to cut through, I bet that sucker is really sharp, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking it is. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So and, and then you could just explode the... the pineapple and not need the. And, well, you know, <laughs> explode. Yeah, we needed an exploding pineapple. Wait, that goes back to Monty Python, doesn't it? Uh, an exploding pineapple. Oh, I yeah. guess they had exploding pineapple. Who knows? All right. I think they had a pineapple. Pineapple that the top came off of, didn't they? Uh, you know, it's possible. Pineapple. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but now uh, I believe you also, uh, because we're coming up on the holiday here, not just coolers you can ca- crawl into and pineapples that can cut off your arm. Um, you, uh, you, you had some fireworks, I understand. Yes, about 38,000 fireworks wow. have been recalled oh my in goodness. the last few days. 38,000, um, and, and given how close we are to Indiana here in Michigan, where you can get some of uh, I, I didn't, you, you mentioned Michigan the other day, Kathleen. When I grew up, you couldn't get fireworks in Michigan. I thought they were illegal in Michigan. Well, right Let's, here, there, and search, this, there's an article, in fact, in USA Today, I believe, or News, Newsweek. Um, I think it's USA Today. 
that I have here that it says the affected fireworks were sold at two Michigan stores, one Indiana shop, and a small chain of Pennsylvania stores. Hmm. All of the recalled fireworks were manufactured in China and are eligible for refunds. And what's the problem with and these fireworks? All of the fireworks are overloaded with explosives. <laughs> too much gunpowder, huh? Too much, too much recall, too much yeah. whatever. Or, or whatever. Yeah. So, so um, what you expect to happen is going to happen a lot bigger. Yikes. And maybe than faster. you thought it would. Yeah. Holy smoke. Overloaded fireworks so can result in a greater than expected explosion, <laughs> posing explosion and burn hazards. If that's the description, a greater than expected explosion? Mm-hmm. An explosion, yeah. So it's one thing now, if, if your pineapple explodes, it's quite another if your firework uh, goes off. Yeah. So, so would you like to know the Michigan law? Yes. Brand new Michigan law. From June 29th to July 5th this year, Consumer fireworks are permissible statewide until 11.45 p.m. each evening. Other dates include New Year's Eve and the Saturday and Sunday of Memorial Day and Labor Day weekend. And what are the dates? June 29th through July 5th. That's it? So that you can get them just and you're blown off? Well, you can. it doesn't say sale, but you're allowed to use them as a consumer. Wow. Okay. Well, these things that are being um, recalled... Um, the first group of them is being recalled from a, a place called Patriot Pyrotechnics slash Bill's Fireworks. Blame Bill. And <laughs> There's a blame <laughs> Bill for you. Yeah. There you go. And um, the the there's a list of about mm, 20 uh, different fireworks. The first one is a 30-shot cake called Dog Rule. <laughs> Dog rules. And a thirty. Sh- I tell uh-huh. you, I tell you a, what. A you can't. You can't hear the music, but we're about to break. So uh, I want you to explain what a thirty-shot cake is when we come back. That's Kathleen Thompson. Okay. It's Kathleen Thompson at the recall desk. Did you know that enough plastic is thrown away each year to circle the Earth four times? In a Green Diva minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Plastic doesn't biodegrade, at least not in 500 to 1,000 years. Between the islands of plastic, the size of countries floating around in the oceans, and the negative effects of it on wildlife and humans, we need to find ways to reduce and reuse plastic. So say no to plastic bags. Remember to bring your reusable ones when you shop. Recycle whatever plastic you can. Too much recyclable plastic ends up in the landfills. Extend the life of plastic items by finding clever ways to upcycle and reuse them. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. This is Mike Novak. Serious and even not-so-serious gardeners in the Chicago area know that there's a year-round resource that always comes in handy, Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region, and it's packed with information about plants indoors and out. 
Every issue contains insightful articles by gardening pros, fantastic photos, science, and more. With features like what to do in the garden, design tips, and Chicagoland natives, you're going to be ready to grab a trowel and dig. Even I have a column in the inside back page of every issue. It's practically fact-free, and I'm proud of it. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. It's not easy to listen to. It's great. This is Charles Ives. It's called Country Band March. Okay. Charles, I, are you familiar with Charles no. Ives? Oh, you've got to listen to Charles Ives' music, especially Variations on America. I may play a little bit hmm. of that coming into the next segment. Oh, we just got a comment that nice tunes. Uh, well, good. Well, Charles <laughs> Ives, if you want, if you if you're not a traditionalist when it comes to. Uh, um, American themes and anthems and marches and that sort of thing. Check out Charles Ives' music. Uh, and and I know, Kathleen, you're a fan of Charles Ives, aren't you? Big fan. Yeah. I love Charles Ives. Yeah. So, uh, oh, by the way, uh, let's do this before we get, because we got some comments, mm-hmm. great comments that have come in. We're going to find out about what a shot cake is in a second. Ten shot cake. Ten shot. Is, is that what it's called, Kathleen? Ten shot cake? Or a 30-shot cake. Or a 30-shot I don't think I want to know. Okay. However, you need to get to City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center today for the last day of the Making Room for Summer sale. Hanging baskets, weird herbs. Is that weird like, herbs. Is that like weird science? Uh, berries and figs, orphaned annuals and perennials, last chance for veggies, even though it's not quite the last chance, and other cool stuff. They will be closed tomorrow through July 4th to transform the shop into the summer garden, so get there today. There's complimentary valet parking, 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa City Grange. Learn, shop, blossom. This is the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We've got Kathleen Thompson on the phone at the recall desk. Uh, Right before we get... To uh, to that, Kathleen, uh, back to the 30-shot cake. We've had some comments here, uh, some very interesting uh, comment. Uh, just... Wally wrote, and this is a great observation, Wally. He says, do you remember when the only thing made in China was fireworks? Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. And Deborah Moulton, our friend, my friend Deborah Moulton from the Frozen Robins, uh, said, I had a guy walk into our huge gunpowder residue in the air building with a lit cigar. Yeah, it was Shel- ah. it was Shelton's. Oh, do I have stories about that place? 
Oh my gosh. We, oh my gosh. We know somebody who worked at Shelton's. Holy smoke. Again, I keep I keep saying holy smoke. Holy exploding. And she sm- knows what those cakes are, she says. Uh right. And and we're gonna have let's have Kathleen explain <laughs> what is a thirty shot cake. Well, actually Deb would know a lot better than I do. I know it's not a brandy soaked baked good. Um, <laughs> I I I know it has something to do with one firework that sets off 30 times, so it's got little different compartments in it. Um, And that's the best I can do because I really don't... I wonder if it's one of the... It's a big honking firework with a lot of gunpowder. Yeah, I wonder if it's one of those ones that's staged with the different colors and the different things that pop out. I'm sure Deb will probably type to us soon. I think that these were primarily having to do with the noise, because they said that it was, um, they mentioned in the description um, of the of the thing, audibles. Wow, audibles. Um, the yeah. sound. Oh, that okay. they were that these were many. At least many of these were audible. Oh, I know. They, Which means they go, those ones that, she says that I really don't understand. She says it is a chain reaction firework. And by the way, right. if, if if it's not clear, I'm not a fan of fireworks. I'm just not. I like the little sparklers. Spark, that's... that's all we used to be able to use in Michigan. I don't know what what changed in Michigan, but when I was used a to kid, like draw in the air with Sure, them. and then you take a photo, leave the lens open, and then you could draw your name in the air, and that's what we we did uh when we were kids that's as, as exciting yeah. as it yeah. got and guess what i still have all of my fingers and toes so there you go and dave tenenbaum just posted well, case, i was gonna say he said fireworks are inherently dangerous cannot be made safe terrorize pets and have no yeah. place in a civilized society, civilized society. <laughs> david but uh, if you are going to buy buy fireworks don't buy the ones that are called Dog rules. Um, <laughs> Dog rules. Freedom. No fooling around. One hundred and thirty shot pace. Uh, dogs don't stop barking artillery shell twenty four pack. Um, <laughs> and frog. Oh, I can't. There's some of these I can't say. I know she can't say some of these on the radio. They're nope. they're just nasty. They have nasty names, and yeah. they sell these things. It's like the but, it's like the Supreme Court ruling the other day, where you there they let them use that nasty name now. So, and, but don't buy angry elf or crazy robot flowers, or um, don't buy any of them. Wait a second, I was I I was going to stock up on those this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. oh, so a Godzilla roars thirty six shot cake for the. Um, the Thunder King single shot salutes. We, these are also these. There are four different recalls, and and the the second one uh, is from Grandma's fireworks. <laughs> Grandma should know better. Grandma's fireworks. That's she. That Grandma's in Indiana. You know all all. all you know what I tell Grandma when she sells fireworks. What a jerk. Okay, that's what I tell Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right. Well, listen, uh, uh, just be aware that there's a lot of Chinese fireworks out there or made in China fireworks that uh, are overloaded with gunpowder. And a lot of too much of a bad thing. If the word dog is in the title, you probably 
don't don't want to pick it up. I guess that's well, Godzilla. And that one has a picture of Pluto on the front. Yeah, Pluto the doll. So it looks cute. Oh, not the planet. They don't and, have like the planet Pluto on there. They have the doll. Mm-hmm. You know, and it makes me wonder why Disney isn't suing them, but. I bet you I know. there are ways to get around that, I'm well, sure. Well, maybe now that they've hit the recall desk and it is brought to everybody's attention. Oh, my goodness. That's Disney right. This is going out all over the world right now. Disney is going to be on it like ticks on a deer, okay? On, like ticks on Pluto. Like Zuckerberg on Facebook. Oh, yes, exactly. All right. We've got a few minutes left here uh, while we're all assembled. Yes? And tied into that was a comment we got from Tom as well about plants that you yeah, can't we're, recall we're, we're going to go back to uh <laughs> yeah but that you can't recall bad plants um oh it's yes, true sure, sure recalling can. plants is a little more difficult yeah it which is, is a topic we'll be talking about know, in a couple but, weeks but some garden centers do they there are yeah. some guarantees not all uh and i don't even know what the parameters of those things are but i've i, I know of yeah. some uh garden centers that guarantee their plants i i'm betting the big box yeah. stores don't but it's a topic we'll be talking about in a couple of weeks too uh, uh with what with tom with tom yeah tom's going to be on the show in a in a couple of weeks we're talking about plants and diseases and how do we protect ourselves from like sudden oak death um which is came riding in on rhododendrons in Indiana. What is it about Indiana? Okay, with the fireworks and the and the d- sudden oak death disease on plants, it's like, wow, it is the <laughs> Yeah, well Deborah Deborah lives in Indiana, so she'll she'll be able to tell us all about Indiana. Uh I want to get to Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards uh because uh we're in the home stretch here and Kathleen has helped us work on that. She is the webmaster for Chicago Excellence in Gardening Award. So she's got her. I saw I saw an entry come in just this morning, Kathleen. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. And uh, we. I like it when those entries come in. Well, Peggy and I have been going on the 2019 Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards radio tour in the last couple of weeks. We've been on WBEZ. <laughs> we've been on WGN. We've been on Mighty House with uh, yeah, which was was on WCPT mm-hmm. at the time. So we've been trying to get the word out. Uh, basically, folks, if you live in the city of Chicago, you can enter your garden in our competition. Now, Kathleen doesn't like me to use the word competition. How would you phrase it, Kathleen? I had to fall back on competition, too. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's sort of you're competing with yourself. Because yeah. um, we what we're trying to do is honor the great gardens that we find, or the gardens that have great stories, the gardens that are really special in one way or another, uh, we want to honor them. And we're not going to uh, fail to do that because somebody else may be a little fancier. Um, so we don't have first, second, and third prizes. We have awards for wonderful gardens. And I think that uh, that's really important because there's no way to compare, for example, um, last one of last year's winners, Roland Kula, has a quadruple lot in uh, back of the yards where he has he has restored prairie as well as a, a vegetable garden and a, um, an ornamental garden. I mean, it's it's over the top and it's fabulous. Right, and some pe- um, some people will just have a patio uh, mm-hmm. or or a, a, a exactly a containers por- a container Somebody porch. Else. Yeah, and and the... and we're not going to compare those two. No, right. And we want people. We're going to look at. Go ahead. 
Uh, we've got two, two, two minutes. Garden. Just let you know, we've got two minutes here. Okay. We're going to look at each garden for what it is and where it came from and the obstacles that the people have overcome and how it relates to their lives and the lives of their communities. And so we want to see the good gardens, whatever they are. So you can enter if you have a garden you think is nice, uh, if it has a great story, uh, if you're, you're if you're using uh, sustainable methods, mm-hmm. if you're recycling rainwater, you have a pollinator garden, you put less lawn in. It's free. You go to ChicagoGardeningAwards.org. You have to live in the city of Chicago. Someday we may expand it. For right now, it's just in the city of Chicago. ChicagoGardeningAwards.org. In fact, uh, Ellie, let's put up that uh, on our show page. Uh, just co- click to the uh, How to Enter Your Garden on ChicagoGardeningAwards.org. And so folks know about this. And enter. It's free. What what have you got to lose? A lot of people, we've given out more than 100 wards in the past two years. And uh, we have these ceremonies in the fall, and they're really inspiring. But uh, July 7th. And so you if you're a master gardener or an other experienced and knowledgeable gardener, come out and look at your garden and talk to you about it. Exactly. It's very cool. Yeah. So, Kathleen. Oh, and the $15 gift certificate. Right. $15. City Grange. City Grange. And a chance to win a rain barrel from the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. You get all of that just for entering. Why wouldn't you do that? Kathleen Thompson, thank you so much for the recall desk. Good luck in 15 minutes, okay? Spring is finally in the air, and the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards are taking applications for this year's garden competition. Whether your garden is in your backyard, at a school, a church, a business, a community garden, or even an urban farm, you can enter, as long as the garden is in the city of Chicago. Go to chicagogardeningawards.org and fill out an application. It's free, and your plot of paradise might be recognized as one of the best in the city. That's chicagogardeningawards.org. This is Mike Novak. If you're a sustainable business and you're not part of the McHenry County College Green Living Expo, my question is, what? It's McHenry County's largest annual green living event, but it's one of the best green events in the area. These folks get it. The energy is palpable. They're ready to change the world now with your help as a vendor or sponsor. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com and on the Gab Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up for posts in our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for their logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. The Morton Arboretum says that anthracnose is primarily a foliar disease affecting many deciduous trees, including ash, elm, oak, and maple. I got a couple of elms out front that get uh, some anthracnose. In fact, they're getting them this time of we, year. We were looking at some as we were walking from yeah, the parking lot. Yeah, from the parking lot right now. We were looking at a tree. I went, oh, look, it's anthracnose. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> Plant diseases. They're in the eye of the beholder. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki on Smart Talk.
Well, here we go. More Charles Ives. This is something called Variations on America, My Country Tis of Thee. He wrote it for Oregon in 1891. In 1948, E. Power Biggs contacted Ives inquiring if he had composed any original music that Biggs might perform on his weekly radio program. So here's what you're getting here. <laughs> I don't think Mark Zuckerberg cares if we play this, do, do you? Okay. And as Deb says, Ives was late 19th to mid-20th century. Yeah, and Deb would know because she's a great musician. So welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Let's go right to the phone because climate change, climate crisis is upon us. Not so much right here in Chicago today, but certainly in Europe. The right? south of France. Welcome, Rick DeMaio. Good morning. Good morning. If you were playing that music, I feel like I should be walking like with my feet like a foot in front of each foot, my elbows pointed out, my, my fists pointed towards each other. You like that? <laughs> uh, well, who, who, about, right? who does that? Is uh, I'm not sure what that's supposed to be. I'm, I'm doing it for the know. camera. It sounds like the beginning of some sort of like German mass in the Lutheran Church in 1875. Well, yeah, it is. You know, E. Power Biggs was the, one, the foremost uh, organist of the uh, 20th century. Um, I had a lot of, I had all kinds of E-Power Biggs recordings when I was growing up. I love E-Power Biggs. Yeah. And, and Charles Ives, if you haven't listened to Charles Ives, Charles Ives, uh, what a wonderful, uh, composer, uh, and did a lot of American themes and twists them in really interesting and fun ways. So you gotta, yeah. you gotta listen to some of that. So, and I, and I'm doing that in honor of the holiday coming up and I'm not, I'm not a big fan of. I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not a big fan of the 4th of July because of the fireworks uh, and because of the misplaced uh, patriotism and the jingoism that is just so superficial. Uh, and, and so I'm not a fan. Uh, I, yeah, I, no, I, I hear you. I, I sort of got I mean, my here, way here's through a, it. Here's a president laughing with a, a Soviet, you know, autocrat and shaking hands with Kim Jong-un. Ooh, we walked across the DMZ. Ooh, that was tough. Oh, yeah. Photo like, op. Like, give me a break. <laughs> yeah. He's so. all about photo ops and jokes. What's the substance, though, right? Yeah, but... Uh, but don't get me started. Meanwhile, we have climate uh, crisis upon us in Europe. Um. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how things kind of pan out from a standpoint of um, the longevity of this. doesn't look like it's going to be anywhere near what happened in uh, 2003, 2008. 2000, I believe it was 15 when they were up in the hundreds again. Uh, but we definitely saw not only, um, you know, record temperatures, uh, but again, Mike and Peg, we keep talking about how these seasons are changing, not so much from the extremes, but, you know, they're kind of pushing the envelope of how long they last. So, you know, it's not like we're talking the end of July, early August. This is the end of June. So when you can get to 114 degrees um, in parts of southwest uh, France um, in late June, you know, that's got to raise some eyebrows. you got to mm -hmm. be careful about this because when you have temperatures that warm in that part of France, you're usually in enhancing the heat by the wind coming from a downslope flow uh, across the Pyrenees. So when you hear about that, I don't want people to think, oh, my God, it was 114 degrees in Paris. It wasn't even close to that. I think the warmest that Paris got was like 93 or 94, which wasn't even 
near the 100 degree temperatures that they had back in 2003. Um, so this was more uh, the southern parts of France in the western or eastern sections of Spain. But nonetheless, you know, how is that going to affect people who live in areas uh, that don't have air conditioning? How is that going to affect agriculture? And what type of an impact does that have um, long term? You know, do you begin to build an infrastructure in that part of Europe that will now have to include, you know, air conditioning in public, you know, public housing that was never considered before? And this is what we talk about, you know, adaptation and mitigation. Does it mean that a warmer climate is causing us to do things differently because we have to think about, uh, you know, protecting human life at this point? Uh, and and I'm I'm very pleased that you you, you bring up uh, all the mitigating factors uh, and you know it's not blow it out of proportion because we only in the media tend to see what's right in front of us and then uh, you always pull us back and say well wait a second this has happened before and it is, it has happened worse but as you point out this early in the season is 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 unusual and uh, from what I understand it's heat coming up uh, from Africa that's being blocked by. Uh, something right. in the Atlantic? Um, it, it's not so much being blocked by something in the Atlantic, but it definitely, usually the only way you're going to get really hot in Europe is with two different things. You'll get this blocking type of pattern across the eastern parts of the Atlantic, which is going to bring that air from uh, the, the, the basically the desert areas of North Africa northward. Then you have to kind of cap it with some sort of northeasterly wind that comes in from basically eastern sections of Europe. And because Europe is not a large landmass like the United States, you have to have a bunch of these factors kind of come together all at once. Mm-hmm. Here in the United States, you can get hot a bunch of different ways. However, if you are a builder, you're, you're into construction, and you're building you know, housing complexes or apartment building, mm-hmm. and you're beginning to get people go, does it have central air? And they go, no. And they go, well, I'm only going to buy a place with central air. Now, think about this. You know, back in the 40s and 50s, you didn't even come close to having an apartment that had central air. You had to actually have a, you know, buy a house or you bought an air conditioning unit. There's no place in the deep south now where you go where it doesn't have central air. Why? Because we figured out over a period of time that you can build relatively cheap products that mitigate, you know, hot human weather by having central air. So what I'm talking about here, Mike and Peg, is this climate crisis or climate change that's happening across the globe. Is it going to then force people to do things differently because the consumer is demanding it and wanting it. And I, and I think that's one way of adapting and mitigating it. It doesn't solve the problem, but what you're going to see happening is the consumer is going to then dictate what the mm-hmm. local economy has to do to protect people and you know lives and property yeah. from that standpoint. And, and that stretches to tourism as well. What are people's expectations of now they're going to want the air conditioning and they're going to want this and that? Well, a friend of Kathleen... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I remember I've, I've been to Europe several times, and you walked into a hotel and you went, oh, my God, it's really hot in here. There's no air conditioning. Yeah, and they look that's at the you, way they go, it is. Yeah. We've yeah. never had air conditioning. Yeah, that's just the way it is. So, yeah, will that have an impact on tourism? I don't know, but I know, for one, 
if I'm an American citizen thinking of wanting to go to Europe right now, I'm thinking, no, maybe not. <laughs> you know, it, it definitely kind of checks it off the list, especially if you're thinking of walking around. Well, unless you go, of the, you know, unless, I just say, unless you go to England or Scandinavian countries, because I looked at there and their temperatures are rather moderate. Yeah, I mean, it was. It, I was watching the Yankees Red Sox game, and you know, it was in London yesterday, and people were standing themselves. And I'm like, really? It's 84 right. degrees. Okay, Rick. But yet, Mike, they're not. They're not used to it. We got 45 seconds. So uh, let's get a forecast here. Yeah, sure. Okay, so if you're heading down to the Pride Parade, um, it's going to rain. Um, I'm thinking that the rain's probably going to get here in about, I'd say, maybe three hours. I'm thinking maybe between 2 and 3 o'clock there'll be a couple of isolated showers and some heavy thunderstorms. I don't think it's going to be severe. But once this stuff passes, we'll have a bit of a break and then some more thunderstorms tonight. The rest of the week, guys, temperatures each day close to 90. And then we begin to cool off significantly by this time next week, which will be on Sunday. Other than that, welcome to summer. All right. Thanks, Rick. I want to thank everybody else who was on the program today. Until next time. What a jerk. Go green or go home. What a jerk. Well, you didn't miss much.